Welcome back, everybody. Can you all hear me all right? assume you can. I think it's on. Yeah, so we, we got a great passage lined up for this morning. Obviously, every passage in the Bible is great. But this particular passage is quite a fun passage, I think, to preach on. Yeah, uh, I've really enjoyed looking at the content in this passage. Uh, and uh, have you ever come across uh, people, perhaps, if you're, who just seem very spiritual? Do you ever come across people who just seem very spiritual? Uh, and, and sometimes it's, it's almost a little bit unusual. Have you ever, do you ever come across people like, is it just me? Maybe it's just me. Um, I remember as a young Christian, I was doing some street work, street evangelism in Brighton. Anyone been to Brighton? Down the seafront? Anyone been near the Odeon Cinema down by the seafront in Brighton? <laughs> Don't worry, it's, it's not amazing. If you haven't been there. Anyway, anyway, I was down there and we were doing this street evangelism and uh, sort of sharing the gospel with people uh, in Brighton. And I was, we're paired up with people. So I was paired up with this guy and we're sort of, we'd done a bit of, a bit, I can't remember exactly what we'd been doing, but we'd all been together, a group of us. And then we decided to go off. So we, we walk to the, we're outside the Odeon. So imagine we're just outside this Odeon cinema. We walk to the edge of the road uh, where we could just go up the road to do some street evangelism. And the guy I'm with, the first thing he said is, which way do you think God wants us to go? Now, how would you, I don't know how you would react to that question. Which way does God want us to go? And I, I'll be honest, I had absolutely no idea. And I also thought, what a weird question. <laughs> you know, I'm just being honest. That's, what a strange thing to ask me. What are we, either direction, there's people in both directions. Does it really matter which way we go? And, uh, and anyway, so we, we went off. I can't remember. I said, well, which way do you think? I thought that's a good way to get around it. Which way do you think God wants us to go? I'll go with that. <laughs> and that's what we did. But this passage... The two characters in this passage, one of the two characters in this passage was a little bit like that. Was a little bit like that guy in Brighton Seafront who's asking, does God want me to go left? Or does he want me to go right? And that kind of was a bit of an affront to me as I was reading it because I thought I might dismiss that kind of attitude a little bit and be a little bit superior and think, oh, how silly, come on. There's people in both directions. But actually, sometimes God does... I don't need to say that in a high voice. But sometimes... <laughs> Especially given the no, no. <laughs> sometimes God, God does speak to us in remarkable ways. And I just want to open our perspective perhaps a little bit as we look at this passage on how God speaks to us. And I want us to introduce first the two characters, just like we were introduced earlier. Who were we introduced to? Simon and Rebecca. Very good. Yeah. As earlier on, we, <laughs> we were introduced to Simon and Rebecca. So we now have a sense that we know a little bit about Simon and Rebecca. Well, in this passage, we're in, you may have noticed it come up, we're in Acts 8. So if you turn to Acts 8, if you happen to have a Bible handy, uh, we'll see it on the screen, don't worry if you haven't. But if you're in Acts 8, verse 26, what does it say at the top? Have you got a little subheading in your Bible? Philip and the Ethiopian. So my question is, before we get into the story, who's Philip and who's the Ethiopian? Because the story just kicks off. Philip does this, the Ethiopian does that. But who are these two individuals in the story? So we're just going to set, just briefly, set the scene. Who are these two people? And then we're going to see what happened, which is a remarkable thing <laughs> that happened in the story. So we'll start with Philip. Philip's the Christian. In, for those of you not familiar with the story, Philip's like the Christian guy in the story. And we're first introduced 
to Philip a couple of chapters earlier on. Uh, so if, you, if you're interested, who's this guy, Philip? Acts 6, we first see Philip. Yeah, this guy, Philip. Yeah. So if you have a look in Acts 6, it says this. Uh, in the days when disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So this was a problem in the early church, a practical problem, distributing food. Maybe we'll have this issue later on when we do shared lunch. You know, so you know, we've we got to sort out the distribution of the food. And in the, in the story, the, the, um, the, and the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. But we, this is the 12 disciples, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So you had the people doing the preaching of the gospel and people, there's a challenge, come to the church. You can imagine, this happens in church life. Challenges come to the church and the, the people leading the church say, oh, we, we better not divert our attention away from the gospel. So let's find seven people who we can entrust this specific practical challenge to. Yeah. And notice what it said, actually, about the types of people. Yeah. Pick, what does it say? Pick from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom. So notice it was reputation, character. It's a character, isn't it? If you notice, it's character issues, aren't they? So pick seven people of good character. Anyway, guess who was in the seven? Philip. So Philip, that's where we first come across this chap, Philip. He was one of these seven people who was picked to help in the distribution of food and so on. Then Philip, he, he, he gets into some other stuff. So he starts off, as, as we see him, sort of looking after this practical challenge in the life of the church. Next thing we know, there's a persecution and he was sent off or went off, we don't know exactly. <laughs> it was a persecution, so people just scarpered, basically, and got out of the city because of the persecution that was happening. And Philip was one of those. So they were scattered. So, so in Acts 8, so we're into Acts 8, if you've got a Bible handy. Now, those who were scattered, actually, I could, would you like to see this on the screen? I've got it all nicely printed in front of me, and I've, I've got it hidden. It's a bit mean, isn't it? So there we are. So I just realised it wasn't actually, you're not looking at it, are you? Yeah, so there we go. So Philip was one of the seven sort of deacons, if, you, if I can use that word. Are we allowed to use that word? It's a bit religious, isn't it? Yeah. But, you, you, know, you know, there were deacons, uh, people who served in the life of the church. He was one of those seven. Yeah. And then when the church was scattered, you can see it there. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And when they heard him and saw the signs that he did, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralysed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. So Philip, I mean, this is one remarkable dude, isn't he? I'm allowed to use that word, but you know what I mean? He was a remarkable guy. He was, he was scattered, so he was in this sort of persecution-type scenario, by, from what we can make of it. 
He starts preaching the gospel. Signs and wonders are accompanying him, what he's doing. People are getting saved in this context. And he started out, the first time we see him, he's sorting out this practical challenge in church life. So it's a fan, I love the story. I just love Philip. I just think, what a, what a guy. Yeah, and let's not belittle. Sometimes in church life, we can get, oh, don't, they've just asked me to do that. It just made me think about, you know, how we can say, oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do serving of that. I want to do preaching. I want to do, you know, or, or we, can, we can get a bit like that, can't we, if we're honest. But actually, this guy, Philip, he started out with the small things. I remember when I was a young Christian, there was a guy called Dave Devonish, who some of you might know. Uh, and I remember he was doing some teaching. I was, I was doing the year, who was doing the year team? One of you two? Yeah, year team. So I, I did that as well. Actually, I did it with your mum. Yeah, we did the year team together, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> You'll remember. Dave Devonish saying in that context, don't belittle, I think the phrase, don't belittle the small things. Don't belittle those small things that God asks us to do. As God, as you're uh, faithful in the small things, God gives you bigger things to do or other things bigger is the right word but other things to do and I think there's truth in that isn't there that we we're faithful in the small things and Philip is an exemplar I think of that he could have said serving tables I'm not doing that I'm going to be leading churches in Samaria but no he's like he he gets on with it I think what an example what an example for us I, I hope I'm a bit like Philip I hope I am now, I know at times I'm probably not. If I'm honest, but I want to be more like this guy. He's just someone who'd be great to be like. If you know, said that on my headstone, just like Philip, you think, I'm happy with that. Yeah, life well lived. Happy with that. Yeah, so, so that's Philip. He's the first of the two characters. He's quite a remarkable guy that we're going to read about in the story. The other person is this Ethiopian, the Ethiopian official. So we don't hear much about them, to be honest. We can't say a lot because we don't know a lot. Um, But he was a high court official in Ethiopia. So the other person in this story we're about to read is a high court official, not a Christian, but it would appear they're a Jewish convert. So they've converted to Judaism. Now, so they're official for the queen of Ethiopia, so pretty senior. He had a chariot, as we're about to see, with other people in the chariot sort of driving it for him. So it gives you a sense of how sort of senior this person was. And uh, he was basically on his way home from Israel in the chariot. So that's the scenario. You've got this Ethiopian chap in a chariot, you know, uh, sort of an official guy with lots of people around him in the chariot. And then you've got Philip. And now let's get into the story. What happens? Yeah, how did these two meet? Yeah, it's not your average story yeah, that you hear about very often. So let's have a look. Acts 8, 26 to 4. This is the passage we're in now. So, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, in fact, let's just stop there for a minute. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, when did the angel, an angel of the Lord last say anything to you? I mean, if we just start there, I mean, it's a remarkable story, isn't it? It's just remarkable. We often gloss over these things and say, oh, yeah, angels of the Lord, yeah, 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 it's the Bible, so all these crazy things would happen. But actually, it's the, God, it's the same God. It's the same God in heaven. So that's how it starts. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out on his way 
he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in the chariot, or his chariot, sorry, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, again, think of my chap, shall we go left or shall we go right? (laughs) The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, please, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. It's great, isn't it? It's great. It gets better. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Now, I just, I just pause for a second again. There's other people on this, who's driving this chariot. I don't know how many. I have no idea how these chariot things work. I'm used to Uber, but I'm not used to this. <laughs> so, so, so he's got his chariot... And he's being driven. What would the other people on that chariot have made of this? They must have heard, I don't know if you'd have heard some of the conversation going on. They then get this senior official saying, stop. And then, I mean, you just picture it, picture it. Because then what happens? So they stop the chariot. The chariot drivers must be like, what are we doing here? Middle of nowhere, bit of a water, some water, obviously. Um, And then off they go to the water. And both Philip and the unit went down into the water. And Philip baptised him. (laughs) Again, another slightly wacky part of the story. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Doesn't say what that, is that like? Who knows? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again. But again, this is the important bit. Let's carry it away with the slightly unusual aspects of the story. Important bits here. The eunuch didn't see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. The eunuch had had a life, the Ethiopian eunuch had a life-changing experience. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and travelled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. I just think this story is amazing, as I said at the beginning. If we just put ourselves in that sort of world, if you were a... uh, a fly on the wall, you know, just, just observing that, it would be truly remarkable. I even think, even at the beginning, right at the start of the story, it said, the angel, I mean, I, I know it was an angel is pretty remarkable in and of itself, but I did, you know, if, you're, if an angel of the Lord today said to one of us, go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza, what would you do? Apart from, you'd have to get over the surprise, well, I would, that an angel had just spoken to me. 
But apart from that, what would you then do? You've got to go to some road between Jerusalem and Gaza. What would you do? What would you do? You've got to go somewhere. What do you do these days? Google Maps. That's what I did. Google Maps. I did a Google Maps to see where he had to go. Because often we read these stories and you just say, oh, these place names. And unless you know the geography, it's just place names. It could be anywhere, couldn't it? So I did a little Google Maps to see where this road was. And I also had a little look to see where Philip was, assuming he's still in Samaria. So I had a little look just to see where the places are. Now, we don't know exactly where Philip was when all this happened, but just to give you a bit of an idea of the context, there's, it's a 21-hour, 35-minute journey from Samaria, presumably where, uh, uh, where we see our, um, Philip, and, and down to Jerusalem. So the road, I mean, it's a long, just to get to the road is a long way. And then the road itself is long. Now, we don't know exactly. I can't say, oh, Philip's the little there on the top of the blue dot and, and, and the, the chariot was here on this blue, you know, via the chariot. You know, we haven't got any of that. But you just get a sense of the scale of the geography. I mean, it just made me think, if, it's like God saying, from here, for us in Bristol, go to the road between, I don't know, go to the road between Edinburgh and Cumbria or something. And in that journey, there is, you know, I mean, it's a long, where Philip was asked to go was a long way, which I just think is remarkable. And, it, and, and, he honored, you know, and God was speaking, that's why I said at the beginning, you know, you, we, sometimes people, you think, oh, they're a bit super, oh, a bit, bit, bit sky pilot, bit, you know, but, but actually, God does speak like that sometimes. I just want to broaden our perspectives. God sometimes says things that are out of the ordinary and that are beyond our comprehension. And Philip didn't seem to bat an eyelid. So it was a long journey that they had to go on. And then the encounter, we, well, we've seen it, we've touched on it a bit already. So they have the encounter and, the, the, again, remarkably, I think remarkably, just the way Philip heard the Holy Spirit. Just the way he listened to the Holy Spirit. So he sat in the chariot and the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. I just want to ask, has God ever spoken to you like that? You know, go to this place or go to this person. I I think, I'm trying to think, to my shame, I think I'm not sure he has. If he has, I've forgotten. He may have done, but I, I, I remember that there's been people in this church over the years who are like, I remember talking to them. They said, oh, God told me to go and speak to that person in the supermarket queue. God told me to go and speak. I think, what a remarkable gift. But I, I just encourage us all and myself, let's be open to God speaking to us more like that. Now, this isn't extraordinary because it's the same Holy Spirit, isn't it? The Holy Spirit of the New Testament hasn't got old and, and sort of lost his edge, has he? Do you know what I mean? It's the same Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit created the whole universe. Yet we, I I just, maybe it's just me. Maybe this sermon's for me and I'll just listen and you can all just say, oh, he's preaching to himself. That's nice. (laughs) He'll be finished in about a quarter of an hour, 10 minutes. But you just feel you put, I I feel we put God in a box. We put the Holy Spirit in a box. This is the Holy, what the Holy Spirit day does this. He he, he gives us contributions in meetings and, and that's what happens. That's what he does. So he's here on a Sunday between 10 and half 11. Yeah, he clocks off half eleven. Yeah, but in our, in our, I'm just in our heads. Are we expecting the Holy Spirit to speak to us when we're out and about? Philip was. Philip was. He's like which chariot? <laughs> which chariot? <laughs> yeah. And the Spirit 
He's speaking to me. I think it's fantastic. Just opens, it just opened my eyes anyway. This is, how, this, is who God, this is who the Holy Spirit is. Let's not box him in to our own experience, our own 21st century British cultural experience. And that's all the Holy Spirit does. He's, much, he's so much bigger, isn't he? So much bigger. So anyway, Philip ran to the chariot and heard the man, am I lined up with you? Yeah. Heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? And then we see this story of how Philip explained the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to this Ethiopian eunuch, which is actually, in many ways, the most important bit of the story, actually, where this Ethiopian didn't understand the good news of Jesus. He hadn't perhaps heard it before. He was reading in Isaiah, so he was reading this, wasn't he? He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shear at his sight. He did not open his mouth. This is the good news of Jesus Christ, but in written like 700 years before Jesus in the book of Isaiah. Who can speak of his descendants? This is Jesus they're talking about. In his humiliation, going to the cross, deprived of justice. This is Jesus, who we're reading about here. His life was taken from the earth. That's Jesus Christ. And the Ethiopian doesn't know that. Who's this? Who's it about? And Philip explains the gospel. Maybe you've never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe you think, I wish, I wish someone like Philip would tell me <laughs> what the good news of Jesus Christ. I remember before I was a Christian, when, you know, the good news Bible. You just think, how can it be good news? He died. That's what I thought. Good news Bible. I didn't know much about Christianity, but I knew he died. I knew that. I knew about a cross, and I knew he died on the cross, so I could never understand how Christians could say it was good news. A bit like Philip, a bit like the Ethiopian, I suppose. He just didn't, I didn't know. No one had explained it to me. No one had explained the good news, the fact that if we, God loves us, God loves you. If you've never heard this news before, this is news for you this morning. God loves you. You have sinned against God. The Bible says, I have, you have, we, everyone in this room has. We've done things that go against what God wants for us. We're separate from the God who created us because of what we've done. This is what the Ethiopian was learning, and perhaps you're learning this morning as well, hearing it perhaps for the first time. We'd sinned. Mankind, you, have sinned against God. And what God wanted was that relationship back with us. This is what the Ethiopian was hearing. God wants that relationship back with you, but your sin separates you. You know, the things we do that are wrong separate us from God. So God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Now, those of us who are Christians, we say, oh yeah, I've heard this before. Yeah. But the Ethiopian hadn't heard it before. And maybe you're not a Christian, you've not heard it before either. Yeah. It's good news because Jesus died on the cross for our sin, but then he was raised to life. And that's the key bit. He was raised from death to life. Conquered death so we could know God for ourselves. It's remarkable good news. And the Ethiopian got it. And he was, we saw what did he do at the end? He was rejoicing. You don't, it's funny, you know, you meet people who've just become Christians. Maybe you're not a Christian, you've met people who've just become Christians. Or maybe you are a Christian, you you come across people who've just become Christians. You rarely hear this, do you? Oh, I've just become a Christian. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) Yeah, there's this news, they call it good. And I've just got born again and saved into the kingdom of God. 
You don't get that reaction. You don't, do you? you do. Why not? Because it's good news. And the Ethiopian, we read about it here, rejoicing. He went away rejoicing in his chariot. Philip vanished. Whether he literally poof, vanished or whether he legged it, um, you know, said to the Ethiopian, well, look over there. And Philip ran over there. <laughs> so you just don't know how it happened, do you? But he disappeared anyway, somehow. But the Ethiopian was rejoicing in the good news of the gospel. And the last thing, we need to finish fairly soon, don't we? But the last thing in this passage uh, we're just going to pick up on is what did the Ethiopian do once he'd heard and accepted the good news of Christ? He, he wanted to get baptised, didn't he? Did you see that? He just immediately, immediately wanted to get baptised. And so what did he say? As he travelled along, let me just jump ahead. I'm just going to jump over a few things here. Yeah, we've gone back. Yeah, we go. Yeah, so he wanted to get baptized. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, "Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized?" Now, Philip didn't say, "Well, you haven't done the membership course, actually," um, uh, and he didn't say, "Well, um, you know, we, uh, you, you need to have been a Christian for a good little while, really, just to demonstrate that you really are a Christian." Um, uh, there was none of that. It was just, "Oh, let's find there's some water." Let's crack on. Some of you might remember Steve Appel. He's been a father to this church when we were a sort of separate church many years ago. He, he's been involved with us for many years. He planted, Bar, if I remember rightly, Bath, what's now Bath City Church. And I just remember, yeah, time is nodding, thank you. I'm pretty sure it was that one. But I just remember him telling me the stories of the early days in Bath City Church where they would, people would get born again and then he was baptising them in his bath at home. I was, I, and, and I, I imagine the service what, was everyone in the land I was just picturing it when I was right <laughs> everyone's in the land and gathered around the bathroom so was, you know, it's just, how did that work I don't know how that worked I mean when we did our first baptism here in city church swimming pool wasn't it we booked a swimming pool and that was our first baptism so we had the whole swimming pool and just two people in it uh, <laughs> that is right now yeah so where we baptise is secondary the important thing is we get baptised. I just want to encourage you, if you're not baptised yet, what, you know, why do we get baptised? Well, it's, a, it's, it's like a, it's a sign, isn't it? It is a sign of our death in Christ and coming alive in Christ. But it's not just a sign. There's something mysterious about it. It's a, we're going to do a sacrament. Like, there are two sacraments in, in Scripture, if you're familiar with these theological terms. There's the sacrament of the bread and the wine and the sacrament of baptism. And both of them, there's a sort of practical thing you do yeah, where you have the bread and the wine or you get baptised. But there's also something in the spirit about it. Yeah, and it's where you are on that line. So, so communion, you know, some, some people would say that it literally is the blood of Jesus and the body of Christ. That's at one extreme. Then others say, oh, it's just a sign. It's just a sign. That's all it is. It's good to do it, but it's just a sign. But actually, I would suggest perhaps it's somewhere in the middle there. There is something sacramental about it, something special about it. And it's the same with baptism. Baptism is another one like that. Where it is a sign, you know, you get very wet and you come out, and, you know, you get dried off and you get prayed for. And, and it's practical. But at the same time, there's something, something that I'm not qualified to get. I don't know. But there's something happening when we get baptised. So it's, it's not just a symbol. And I just want to encourage us, perhaps if we're a believer here, a bit like Ethiopian. Now you're born again, you know God, but you've just not done the baptism bit. I'll just ask the question, why not? <laughs> just the question why not why not get baptized yeah we'd love to 
talk to you about that if you'd like to get baptised. It's part of becoming a Christian, perhaps, you, you could see in Scripture. We could talk about it in more detail. Time is pretty much gone, so I'm not going to go into the detail now. But I just want to leave with that thought as well. If you're not baptised yet, perhaps consider whether it's time to get baptised. I mean, the Ethiopian didn't hang about, did he? It's literally, you know, got the gospel, understood, born again, Right, water, water, we need water. <laughs> it's amazing. And unless perhaps we should be a bit more like that, maybe, in, in the Western culture even. So what do we do with this passage that we've looked at as we've read? There's a number of strands, aren't there, in this story. There's three, so I would suggest there's three disparate strands that come together in this story, this uh, episode that we read about in Acts. So I'll just pop them up here. Again, I've skipped over some of this for time. Oh, yeah, I was going to go on and on about baptism, wasn't I? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so anyway, if you're a Christian, so three strands of how, because we don't just want to hear, you know, the word of God say that was nice. We want to respond, don't we? we the Bible's there to, as Matt, as Matt was telling us last week, you know, the Bible's there to challenge us to provoke us, to encourage us, to teach us and equip us in the Christian faith. How is this particular passage going to do that today for us? And I just, you can see them up there. But if you're a Christian here today, I just want us to consider, like I was doing really, consider Philip's example. What an example he is to us. Let's be open, more open perhaps, to how the Holy Spirit might lead us evangelistically, like he was with Philip. Let's just be open to what God might do. Even this week, you're in Tesco, maybe even at lunchtime, because you forgot your sandwiches, didn't you? For the, oh, maybe you didn't. Oh, I did anyway. So I've got to go over to Tesco to get my meal deal. Yeah. But let's just be open to what God might, who God might lead us to. Like Philip, he was just open to that, wasn't he? He was just open to how God might lead him. Let's just perhaps, again, just some of us, we, just, we need to just shake ourselves out of, I don't know if complacency is the word, or you just get into a rhythm of life and lots of distractions, lots of things going on, we just forget. Yeah, but I just encourage us, let's just consider Philip's example. If you're a Christian here, the second thing, if you're a Christian here not baptised, simple question, why not? <laughs> just, just a question, why not? We can get the baptistry, we've got one, yeah, we get it out, baptise you, we'd love to talk to you more about getting baptised. You don't need to do a membership course to get baptised. <laughs> yeah, we don't even have one actually at the moment, do we Ben? No, <laughs> but it would be great. Seriously, to, to talk to you further about baptism if you're not baptised already. And if you're not a Christian, so the good news that that Ethiopian heard for the first time in his chariot on that road, that good news is the same good news that could be applicable to you today. And just as you maybe didn't arrive in a chariot this morning at Bradley Stoke Community School, but whatever, when you leave Bradley Stoke Community School in about half an hour, 45 minutes from now, an hour from now, you leave knowing Jesus Christ like that Ethiopian did. That, that invitation that Philip gave to the Ethiopian, that invitation is open to you as well. And it's open to you right now, which is fantastic, isn't it? That, an invitation from God himself who created everything and he's inviting you to know him. Shall we stand together? Shall we stand together? I'll hand over to Ben and John in just a moment.
just want to lead us in prayer and then I'll hand over to you guys. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, let's just pray, shall we? Let's just, as we, Lord Jesus, we thank you for that all of the Bible is there for our training and instruction, Lord. And we want to be trained and instructed, Lord, even by this passage containing some remarkable things, some remarkable events, all in this tiny few verses from Philip having an angel appear to traveling a long way to having the Holy Spirit speak to him about a chariot to an Ethiopian coming to faith and getting baptized. Lord, what a story. What a microcosm of remarkable events. Lord, and I pray for us. I pray for us as a church and us as individuals that we would know what it means to hear the Holy Spirit. Know what it means to hear you when we're out and about, a bit like Philip in the story. I pray for those of us who aren't baptized, Lord. I pray, would you speak to us about baptism? Speak to them about what it means to be baptised in water. Lord, we pray just generally that we'd see many saved in this church and our baptistry would be out regularly because people are getting born again, like that Ethiopian in the story. Lord, we pray that our baptistry would be out many times because people have become born again. Lord, and I find I pray for anyone here who doesn't know you this morning. Lord, I pray, would they meet you? Would they no, I'm just going to pray a prayer, actually. for those, If you don't know Jesus, you've never uh, heard this story before. Perhaps you've heard it a bit before and you feel like, yeah, I want, to, I want to give my life to Christ. Just pray this along with me. I admit that I am a sinner. I admit I've done many things that don't please you. I've lived my life largely for myself. I'm sorry and I want to turn away from all of that. And I ask you to forgive me. This is what the Ethiopian did. I ask you to forgive me. I believe you died on the cross for me to save me. You did what I could not do for myself. So I come to you now and ask you to take control of my life. I give it to you from this day forward. Help me to live every day for you and in a way that pleases you. I love you, Lord Jesus, and I thank you that I will spend an eternity with you. Amen. If you prayed that for the first time, do come and grab me at the end. I'd love to just chat to you about what you prayed and what it means and the significance.